There's thousands and thousands and thousands of different denominations of people, all with the same Bible, all claiming to have the Holy Spirit, but teaching very different things. And there comes a moment in your life when that hits you in the face, and you have to try to figure out how to walk through it. Stay tuned to hear Keith Nestor explain how his conversion to a different faith led him to a movement praying the rosary. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Welcome to Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and here we discover the true meaning of joy and learn that it's not just a feeling, it's faith. Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter 15 that we can be filled with the only joy that will complete us simply by abiding in the Father's love and doing His will. This season, we will explore finding joy by walking with God in our everyday lives. Stay with us and hear other stories as they too have walked this path of discovery. Today on the show, what is the rosary? Is it mystical or just a way to pray? YouTuber Keith Nestor has created a movement through a daily show that draws hundreds and thousands of people together to pray this special string of beads and knots. The beads represent the Lord's Prayer and the Hail Mary. Keith explains the history of the rosary and why it's for everyone, not only Catholics. Here's Keith. Hi, Keith. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited about this conversation we're going to have. Thank you for having me, Yvette. It's so great to meet you and speak with you today. Well, so Keith, you are the executive director of a ministry called Down to Earth, and you also have written a book, uh, A Guide to Catholicism, and I'm going to have all that good stuff in the show notes. But what we are here to talk about today is your YouTube channel that is uh, an open prayer and an encouragement to others to pray the rosary. And you refer to yourself as a convert. I, there's a lot going on. So here's some disclosure. And I think some people know this, some people don't. So I was raised Catholic. Uh, I go to a non-denominational church, my husband's church right now. But I was raised Catholic. I have prayed the rosary before. Um, but I think there's a lot of people who don't know what it is. So we're just going to get into all of that today. Great. Great. Sounds great. All right. So, um, so talk about the YouTube channel. Um, okay. and, and you were on Facebook for a while. Now you're on YouTube. Tell us how the rosary hour or the rosary. I mean, there's some, you have a couple different things going on on your channel. Tell us how that got started and why you think that's important to share with other people. Sure. Well, I have actually two YouTube channels. Um, so I have, I have a YouTube channel. It's just called Keith Nestor and I created that channel really by accident. Uh, I had given a talk in a in a church, in my church, about my conversion to Catholicism because I used to be a Protestant pastor. So for so I was in ministry for 22 years, and then in 2017 I became Catholic. And the first year of becoming Catholic, I just didn't I 
I didn't do anything other than just go to church. I did. I wasn't trying to like make videos or tell anybody anything. I was just absorbing it. After that year was done, um, that's when the idea for the book, The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism came. I started working on that book. Again, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. I got asked to give a talk at my church. Somebody recorded it and sent it to me on video, and I just parked it on YouTube. I just made a channel, parked it on there, and then completely forgot about it. And a few weeks later, I uh, did the same thing with another video. And then people started contacting me. And I noticed that it was starting to get views and people were interested in it, which led to different opportunities to give talks in churches and, and share my faith with people. So then I started making more videos. Um, and I was doing that weekly. And eventually, I decided to focus on that full time and travel and speak and write and make videos, started a podcast. And then the rosary started happening, which was completely not my idea, Yvette. It was, it was a result of the pandemic. So, oh. yeah. so what happened was in March of 2020, all of my speaking engagements that I had for the whole year got canceled like everybody else's stuff did. And I did a live stream one day on my YouTube channel and I was just checking on people. Hey, how's everybody doing out there? what is going on in the world kind of a thing. And somebody made the suggestion, can we pray the rosary on your, on your YouTube channel live? And I thought, well, I've never really done that before. I was afraid to do that. I, I was afraid I would mess it up because I had no background in the rosary. I mean, I'd started praying it when I came into the church just by myself. I had to use an app because I didn't know what I was doing. Never had led it before, but I thought, okay, I'm going to suck this up and do it. You know, I will, I will figure it out. We're going to, it's only going to take two weeks because two weeks to slow the spread. Remember all that when it was, when we thought the pandemic was going to last 14 or 15 days. <clears throat> so <laughs> March 18th of 2020, we started doing this on my YouTube channel and long story short, we've never stopped Yvette. We've been every single day over two years. Now we've been praying the rosary. So now I started a new YouTube channel just for the rosary. So our rosary uh, community is called the rosary crew. So we started a, a, a separate YouTube channel called The Rosary Crew with Keith Nestor, where every day at five o'clock central, thousands of people come together. We're also on Facebook. We're on Twitch. We're lots of different places. And we've got people in, in around 80 countries every day that are logging in. And, and sometimes we can have as many as 10,000 people a day praying the rosary. The Positively Joy podcast is a member of the Spark Media Network and can be heard on the Edify app. You know, it's pledge season on some public radio networks. We don't do that here, but we can't exist without your support. Join my friend SP in becoming a Patreon monthly giver. You can give as little as $5 and receive some great benefits. Go to PositivelyJoy.com and click support. Can I just say I love your on Twitch because Twitch, to my knowledge, is not known for things of faith. It's video games and sometimes old TV shows. I love that you're on Twitch. So that's very cool. Well, I appreciate that. The only reason why I'm on Twitch is because somebody suggested it and the streaming software I use just had a little box I could check, but I, I never go on Twitch. I went on there at first and I saw exactly what you're talking about. And I was like, this is like sketchy looking people and people playing video games. I don't know that you know, they're going to love the rosary, but hey, why not, right? If you can spread the message of the gospel and and maybe there's some kid playing Fortnite or whatever, or some girl dancing around her apartment who happens to come upon the rosary and maybe the Lord reaches out, hey, isn't that what we're here for? 
Absolutely. We never know. We, you know, we just, we just, we just obey and, and, and see, he can, he can take care of the rest. Right. Amen. Amen. So that's really (laughs) what, so, so my regular YouTube channel, I still make videos all the time. I do a weekly Bible study on there. I put talks up there and topical things, mostly related to Catholicism and my conversion to it. A lot of people want to hear about that. So I'll talk a lot about that. Um, But the Rosary Crew, it's, it's an everyday thing. And my wife and I have started traveling now. Um, we bought a little motorhome, a little Mercedes Sprinter motor van. Um, so we travel around the country and we'll, and we'll stop in different cities every day and we'll just tell everybody where we are. People will show up and we'll do a live stream rosary prayer with different people. Um, so that's been a lot of fun too, because we, we would want to be with people, Yvette. We, we don't want to just sit in our house and, you know, wait for stuff to open up. So we decided last year we're doing this. So we got out, we've been all over the country doing that and we're just getting started. That is so awesome. Okay, I do want to hear about your your conversion, but let's. I want to. Sure. I want people to understand first. What is the rosary? I, I think there's people really who don't know what it is. So tell us what it is and why we pray it. Absolutely. Okay. So the rosary is a it's a devotional. Okay. So it's a prayer that is consisting with um, a few different pieces of it. Okay. So lots of people, you know, you have your rosary beads. People are like, what are these things? These are basically a derivative of the prayer beads that the ancient Jews used to use in prayer. Lots of people have used like little ropes or different things to help keep track because the Jews used to pray the Psalter, 150 Psalms every day. And sometimes they would use like beads or different things to keep track of where they were. And over a long period of time, Christians started doing the same thing when they would pray their prayers. Well, the, the reality is when it comes to the rosary, it's kind of an evolution of different things. No one knows exactly. There's some legends around where it came from. There's one that's kind of popular is that uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to St. Dominic and gave him the rosary in a vision and told him, pray my Psalter. And he started working through this. Well, that's debatable. Some people say, no, that he never, that never happened. Other people are sure that it did. But regardless, the rosary came into existence somewhere around, I think like the 13th century in the form that we have it today, basically. And what it is, is a, I call it a journey through the events of the life of Christ that you do through prayer. And the different components of it are, you have the Lord's Prayer, or Catholics will refer to as our Father, same exact prayer. There's the glory be to the Father and to the Son. That's a prayer that, that Protestants and Catholics share. And then you have um, the Hail Mary prayer, which comes to us, there's two parts to that prayer. The first part comes from the first chapter of Luke when the angel Gabriel appears to to Mary and he says, hail, full of grace, right? Right. So that's where that comes from. And then the the second part comes from when she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who it says in in Luke, I believe it's chapter one, verse 48, who when when she greets Mary, when Mary comes to her, um, it's uh, actually Luke, Luke verse one, uh, chapter one, verse 42. It says that under the power of the Holy Spirit, she says, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Okay. So that's where we get the Mary is the mother of our Lord. Mm-hmm. Blessed are you among women. Okay. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then we just say, that's Jesus. Right. So that's, those are really, and then the Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now in the hour of our death, that the hour of our death, that is based in the Catholic understanding of intercessory prayer. You know, so we're asking her to pray for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's, what's, really fascinating about the rosary is 
that it revolves around what, what's referred to as these mysteries, okay? So a mystery, if you've ever heard anybody say, oh, today we're going to pray the joyful mysteries or the sorrowful mysteries, those are historical events in the Bible that we read about or in the life of Mary or Jesus. And there's four sets of five mysteries. So on your rosary, you have these like sets of 10, they call them a decade, 10 beads with a knot, 10 beads with a knot. There's five of these, okay? So you have the joyful mysteries, which are um, the Annunciation where Mary uh, is met with the angel Gabriel, the visitation where Elizabeth comes, just like we talked about when Jesus was born. That's the nativity, the presentation in the temple where Jesus is brought into the temple by Mary and Joseph. And then when they find him in the temple when he's 12 years old. So like, for example, those are the joyful mysteries. So what you do is when you're praying, you have like this first mystery. And then what you do is when you're praying these Hail Mary prayers, you're meditating on each of the mysteries. So it's like this progressive journey that you're that you're going around and you're you're really considering what was happening in that mystery while you are asking for the Blessed Mary's Virgin Mary's intercession, and you're crying out to God through the Lord's Prayer. So it's essentially a devotion that takes you on this journey of prayer and meditation on these events. That's the best way I can explain it. I don't know if that's, you can get super complicated with it, or you can get super simple with it. That was probably in the middle. <laughs> and so for those people who are listening and not seeing, so the rosary, as he said, and I've seen, and I've seen rosaries like bracelet rosaries, smaller rosaries, where it's mm-hmm. not all the full, but you know, they only have maybe, maybe just the one or two decades on there, yeah. but it's 10 beads, 10 times to repeat the Hail Mary, and then one single bead that connects it. Uh, and that is the Our Father. Yeah, the Our Father is usually represented by the knot or a bead. So yeah. like this rosary that I have here, you know, it's a it's a different color bead. Mm-hmm. But sometimes like on this one, it's a different knot. And you're you're right. Like you'll see them. Like my wife has one that's like a circle and it's it's just 10 things. There's nothing magic about the beads. Like Catholics, people are like, oh, they're superstitious. You have these weird beads. You don't need the beads to pray the rosary. Like they, these are just like a, a helper so you don't get lost. I mean, I think that it's important to have something tangible that you sort of associate with what you're doing. And, you know, everyone does that, whether you're Protestant or Catholic, you know, people will have a cross or they might have their favorite Bible or whatever, you know, or a picture of Jesus, whatever it might be. But you can pray the rosary really um, with, you know, you could use your fingers if you want to. Um, So it's, but that's, that's what they're for is to help you keep track of where you are on your way around this journey. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that people who who aren't familiar with this see it maybe as weird or some kind of, you know, superstitious thing. But you're right, it's not. And I think that unlike today, in my opinion, you know, we don't gift people gifts of faithful items anymore. Like it used to be we would give Bibles as a gift mm, to, yeah. to family members, especially to young people and for young girls and boys too. Um, who would say get confirmed or have some kind of momentous religious experience in their own particular faith, you know, they would we'd give a gift of a rosary or something like that. I'm not sure that happens anymore, but they were looked upon as special for sure because they were given as a gift from someone you love or someone you respect. Not that it was a superstitious thing. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point, you know. Um, and and the, the truth is there are people that are superstitious, okay? I mean, that's that's a thing that's going to, whether you're Protestant or Catholic, religious people can be like that. We can have these weird things that we do or these these ideas, but we always have to be careful to make sure that within anything that we do in our faith, that it's rooted in the truth, you know, that it's, and we, and we have to try not to deviate from that. And that, that, that sadly can happen. You know, I've seen it happen both. Like I said, when I was a Protestant and as a Catholic, I see it too, but you're right. It's like people used to give those things. I get them all the time now as a Catholic. It's kind of funny. My wife calls them. uh, She's like, Oh, you got more trinkets. You know, you've got, because people are always sending me stuff. So I've got, you know, tons of rosaries and prayer books and scapulars and beads, all this stuff that I had no idea what any of it was. And then now it's just, we've got all of it, you know, and I used to feel like, oh, this is kind of goofy, but there's precedent for this because if you if you look in the scriptures, God has often come to us through the natural means, you know, the supernatural through the natural. And that's not something that that is outside of the bounds of scripture, outside of the bounds of the faith. It's it's that's the way it's, I mean, it really it's in essence, it's the gospel because Jesus Christ was a man, right? God became man. The incarnation is the is the perfect example of God using the supernatural incarnate into the natural so that we could be brought closer to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about Mary for a minute. Yeah, so I sure. think that I think that most people of faith do believe that she is the mother of God, the mother of the Lord, um, that she was blessed and highly favored, but not everybody prays to her. I I think there are people who are Christian, but who don't, you know, pray to her or don't pray to other people such as saints. So that might be keeping them away from experiencing the rosary. What might might you tell those people? Well, I used to be that exact same way too. You bet. I used to be like, okay, you're not supposed to pray to Mary. You only worship God. Okay. So here's the thing that I, that I had to understand is that, you know, in Catholicism, the idea of like using the word prayer is different than a lot of people use it outside of Catholicism. Okay. When Catholics talk about prayer, I I like to think about it more as just like, um, you know, talking. Okay. So to pray to Mary does not mean worshiping Mary or to pray to a saint doesn't mean worshiping the saint. The catechism of the Catholic church is very, very emphatic about the fact that we only worship the living God. And God alone is to be the object of our worship, not Mary, not the saints, not anything, only God. But there's this idea and this understanding of the intercession of the saints. And, you know, I used to not understand that completely, but there's a, there's a verse in Hebrews that says that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And what he's, what the writer's talking about is the saints. And so there's this recognition that the saints are aware of us. They surround us. And when we look in Revelation, we see saints offering up prayers, intercessions, right? So what, what the Catholic teaching is on this and the Orthodox teaching on this and even some Protestant teaching on this is that the saints are not truly dead in the ultimate sense. They're in the beatific vision of God. They're with God. So in essence, really, they're more alive than we are because they're with Jesus. So we haven't ceased to be in connection with them because as part of the body of Christ, we are connected. We are part of this mystical family. And that connection doesn't end with death. That's a huge part of our faith. So all we're recognizing is that there exists this this 
ability to ask for prayer. Now it isn't, you know, it was, oh, but Leviticus says, don't, you know, don't conjure up spirits and, and all of this kind of stuff. Well, of course, that's a different thing. We don't ask the saints to give us information about things. We don't try to have little seances and stuff like that. We simply say, pray for me, yeah. pray for me. And, you know, I think about people, oh, we're not supposed to talk to the dead. Well, who was Jesus talking to on the Mount of Transfiguration when, when he was up there with Moses and Elijah, right? The, these, these, these were people who Jesus was talking to. And, and I look at this and I think, okay, we just have to get over our, our prejudice against this from the standpoint of saying, oh, well, you know, we're only supposed to worship God. Agreed. But asking the saints to pray for us, asking the Blessed Mother to pray for us is not worshiping them. It's, it's in essence, really, it's, it's part of the will of God. I mean, in Revelation 12, we see Mary crowned queen of heaven and earth. Okay, well, what, what this is a picture of ultimately is her role as the queen mother. That, that's a, a fulfillment of the queen mother's role in the old covenant. And who was the queen mother in the old covenant? It was the king's mother. It wasn't his wife because he had many wives. Mm -hmm. So Bathsheba was actually the queen mother of Israel when Solomon was the king. And you know what her job was? was? It was to intercede to the king on behalf of the subjects. They would go to her and say, hey, can you ask him this for me? Can you ask him that? Now, of course, they could probably talk to him directly. And we can talk to Jesus directly, too. No one's saying you can't. But, man, look at what happens in Cana, John chapter 2. When Jesus' mother comes to him on behalf of the people at the wedding, they have no wine. Right? What does Jesus do? He doesn't just go, well, whatever. He gives them the best wine they've ever tasted and gobs of it. And recognizing that just as Jesus tells John at the foot of the cross, behold your mother. He's speaking to him on behalf of the whole church. Wow. She's our mother. And, and she loves us and she wants to bring us to her son. That's always been her message. What did she say in John chapter two? Do whatever he tells you. That continues to be her message. So I know I probably gave you way more than you were asking about. I get, I get worked up about this stuff, Yvette, because I, I love it. No, I love it. I love it. And I, and I love what you just said, that she's all our mothers. Yeah. I just, I really love that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, all right. So you talked about, you know, how this was, you know, this was new to you as well. Sure. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So when did you become a Catholic? Um, and we don't, I mean, we don't, you tell us as much as you want. We don't need to go into everything, sure. but I'm just curious. You were a Protestant minister. Mm -hmm. So that means that more than you, you were more than just Protestant. You were leading worship yeah. and you were leading other people. What happened to make you want to change, I'm not going to say change faiths, because obviously you were Christian before and you're sure. Christian now, um, but change um, religions. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it is a long story. It's on my channel. There's a, there's a video. If anybody really cares that much, they can watch. I'll give you the short version of it. The short version of it is, and I was a guy that was very like anti-Catholic. Like I was the guy that I converted people out of the Catholic church. So all of the things that people say, yeah, but the Catholics dot, 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 I used to say all of them. So I just preface that so people know where, where I was. Um, I met a friend who knew his Catholic faith, and he began, as I tried to convert him, he began to really put me on the spot with things about challenging my presuppositions about Christianity and about Catholicism, and especially about the authority that Christians have. For me, the authority was always, well, it's the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And that was always my gripe against the Catholic Church was, well, where's the rosary in the Bible? Where's all of these things in the Bible? And he began to help me understand the, the, the real 
issue is authority and that the Bible in and of itself, if that's all we have, then we're going to wind up in some serious chaos because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of different denominations of people all with the same Bible, all claiming to have the Holy Spirit, but teaching very different things. And there comes a moment in your life when that hits you in the face and you have to try to figure out how to walk through it. And that happened to me in our denomination. We, we Our denomination started to crumble apart because people couldn't agree on things that had to do with authority and had to do with, with lots of different issues in society. And I found myself trying to wrestle through why is my version of Christianity you know, more correct than someone else's. And as a Protestant, I really had no leg to stand on other than to say, well, this is just what I think the Bible means. And when I started to understand the way that Jesus sets up all of this with his church, that's when things began to turn around. So I started going backwards, looking at like the early Christians. What did the church fathers teach? Was my version of Christianity that I was holding on to did it match up with what the apostles were teaching and the earliest Christians? Or was I off in left field? Because that's what my Catholic friends were telling me. They were like, Keith, let's look at what the church fathers teach about baptism, about the sacraments, about the authority of the church. And I started to learn that so many of the things that I was believing and holding fast to were innovations that came along much, much later. And the contradictions to the earliest uh, teachings of the faith I had to wrestle with that because I was basically guilty of the things that I was accusing people today of doing, which was making the faith just around your own opinions. And so it was really ultimately the, the authority of the church and seeing what Jesus does when he takes Peter and he says to you, I will give the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Establishing the papacy where he says in Matthew 16, 18, you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I began to understand how the church began and what God was doing in it to preserve the faith that God passed down, as the book of Jude says, delivered once for all to the saints, right? That was, that was what I was after. And that's what led me into the Catholic Church ultimately. That happened in 2017. Mm, okay. I was raised Catholic. I went to a Catholic elementary school and I went to Catholic high school. Uh, there was never, there was never a pivotal, you know, moment for me to leave or anything. Like, and like I told you before, I have not converted. So technically I am still Catholic, but I am going to a non-denominational uh, church right now with my husband. And um with not just Catholics, but with every religion, we've seen some issues. Let's just put it like that. Oh, yeah, there, you better there, believe it. <laughs> there's, been, there's been some problems in the Catholic faith church, let's say not faith, but church, and some Protestant churches as well. Um, there's a phrase that I've heard, and I've even said it before myself, it's relationship, not religion. Right. So so what can you tell our listeners um, about the church mm -hmm. because the church is full of flawed human beings, of course. Um, should we be focusing? I mean, it's a hard question. Should yeah. we be focusing on our personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Is that not opinion? And how does that relate to the church? Oh yeah. Great question. Well, I mean, it's a hard question. Yeah. I think, well, I think we make it harder than it has to be ultimately because 
there seems to be this weird divergence, even among Catholics, who they hear certain things that Protestants may say, and they equate those things with like being Protestant. For example, personal relationship with Jesus. They go, oh, well, that's not a Catholic thing. That's a Protestant thing. Wrong. That's a Christian thing. Whether you're Catholic or Protestant, you need a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. Other things like born again. I've heard people say, oh, I'm not a born again Christian. I'm a Catholic. And I'm like, no, you are a born again Christian. Anybody who's a Christian, Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born of water and spirit. That's talking about baptism, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea of a personal relationship with Jesus, what we have to do is unpack, what does that mean? What does that mean to have a personal relationship with Jesus? And does is that antithetical to belonging to any particular denomination or church? And I would say, boy, I really hope not. I hope that there's no church or denomination that says you, you shouldn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. If it is, you better get out of there. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, to me, my personal relationship with Jesus has exploded since I've become a Catholic because I receive him in the sacraments in a way that I never had before. Mm -hmm. And it's it's such an incredible relationship. The question is, though, is it a personal relationship with Jesus or do I have my own personal Jesus? Okay, think about that. Yeah. Because a lot of people, Yvette, have their own personal Jesus. And what I mean by that is they've created their own version of Jesus that fits them. And you hear sometimes people say, well, I don't know about you, but my Jesus would never do this. And my, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Well, my Jesus would never send this person here, would say that or whatever, whatever. And usually their Jesus looks a lot like them when you think about it. So I want to be very careful to say that we need to have a personal relationship with the true authentic Jesus. But for me, what that looked like was recognizing that the true, authentic Jesus gave us the gift of his church and that his church would be this incredible adventure and family of faith that we could that we could live in together. And that well, what's the purpose of the church, right? To, to bring the gospel to the world and to be God's people, right? Our purpose in life, to know, love, and serve the Lord. And that happens in the fullness of, of, of his church. And that's the way it always was for, for, you know, 1500 years. And, and then of course we had the reformation where, where people were like, no, there were, there were problems in the church and people began to split off. The problem, the problem was, was even within the lifetimes of the guys that did the splitting, you know, Martin Luther and John Calvin, they were all disagreeing with each other and excommunicating each other saying, you're not part of the church. You're not part of the, well, who gets to say, the minute that you pull yourself out of the church that Jesus established, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you're kind of like, you're kind of out there on your own now. I mean, I think of it like the Catholic church is like the boat where we're all inside the boat heading to the promised land. And some people decided they didn't like the captain anymore. So they're like, well, I'm getting out of here. Some of these people get on my nerves. I don't like the way this thing looks. So I'm going to get out and do my own thing. Well, you can get out. You can take some of those things with you. But everything you had came from the boat, and you can be on your way to the same journey or destination. But in that little boat, you're going to have problems eventually. And then there may be somebody in your little boat that says, I don't like you anymore. I don't like this boat. I'm going to get up and start another one. And ultimately, you know, we have 30,000 plus denominations or whatever. Like, I try to think of it like this. We're all, we're all headed in the same direction towards heaven. It's just a question of, are we on our own? 
you know, or are we, and Jesus has given us the church so that we don't have to be. And yeah, there are lots of problems. There's always been, think about this though, Yvette, there have been problems since before there even was a creation, right? I mean, think about what happened in heaven with, with the, the angels that rebelled, you know, but there was, there were problems and issues before the earth was even created. Where did the devil come from? Right. Even with, the, even among, I mean, you look at the nation of Israel, there were people, there were wicked Kings, there were problems, but there was never a call in the old Testament. Well, all right, let's get rid of the people of Israel and start a new people of Israel. It was to reform that. It was to purify that, to bring that into, into holiness and repentance. And that's what the church needs to do. The Catholic church, like every other group of people, needs to constantly be in a state of spiritual uh, renewal and of repentance and saying, hey, are we living according to what God has given us or are we messing it up? And the thing I love about the Catholic church, despite how messed up it can be and how off-base leaders can be, Jesus has given us this promise that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's why it's lasted for, you know, 2,200 years or whatever, 2,000, 2000 years, 2,020 years. Um, and I think if, if it wasn't the Lord that kept it going, it would have been destroyed long ago. Yeah, yeah. Of course, the latest church scandal is Hillsong. And I want to be very clear. Oh, so yeah. We are not saying that you know, just because we're in a certain certain religion, we are not saying that we believe that the terrible scandals that we've seen in Protestant religions, in the Catholic religion, that they get a pass. We're not saying that at all. At least I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying all. that either. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I want to be clear. There's been some terrible, terrible, very bad things happen. There's been people who've been hurt by the church. I hear that a lot. Um, but the church in many ways, in many, Jesus founded the church, but in many ways, the church is not Jesus. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing we have to remember. The church belongs to Jesus. It is his church, right? And he, he gave that promise, but he didn't just give the promise. He also set up the authority structure by which his will will be done. I mean, I think about what happened when Jesus would send out the apostles in the gospel. What did he tell him? He said this, look, I want you to go out. And he said, he who hears you hears me. And he who hears me, hears the one who sent me. So he gives his authority and he tells him, I've given you the authority to cast out demons, preach the gospel, do all the things that I've been doing. Now go do them. And at the, at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, he gives them the great commission. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them. So he, he's giving them all of the resources, and he's given them the commands. But what is he saying? He's not saying, go and figure it out in whatever best way seems right to you. Go and just make it up on your own. You know, whatever you have to do to make the culture love you or to make people think you're awesome, go do that. No, he gave them this deposit of faith, the truth, and said, your job is now to go and pass this on to people. And that's what the church has been doing ever since. And it hasn't always done it perfectly, but here's what's amazing about it. Jesus said that I won't leave you as orphans. I will give you the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth. And that's where we have this understanding that the, the, when the Catholic Church teaches the deposit of faith, that it is teaching the truth of Christ. It's not making errors. It's not turning people away from the Lord. But all of that to say, 
Human beings in the midst of it can mess it up. They can hurt people. They can veer off to the right or to the left. And that's why we see all these movements in history of reform and of renewal. But that happens within the context of the church. It doesn't, we never just go, well, all right, that's broken, throw it away. Start something new. We don't do that. We stick with what Jesus has set up so that we can fulfill his plan. And he's promised that, it, that it's it's going to work. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Well, um, I wonder, this is really, really great. I want to make sure people know where to find you. And I also want to ask you a question, maybe a sure. favor. So let's let's make sure people know how to find you and where to find you. So if you go on YouTube, just type in Keith Nestor and you'll find my YouTube channel. My website is called downtoearthministry.org. And the two is the number two. So down the number two earthministry.org and you can find me there. I'm Excellent. also on Instagram at Keith Nestor Catholic. I'm on Facebook. I mean, I'm pretty much, and I'm even on Twitch as we talk about. So all your gamers out there can pray the rosary with us. I love that. <laughs> all right. There, there's going to be some people listening who have never heard the rosary prayed before. Yeah. So I wonder, can we just do a decade? Oh, yeah. The Lord's Prayer and a glory to God and the Father. Can we just do Absolutely. that one section together? We certainly can. We certainly can. So we'll, I'll, we'll, I'll let, I don't have one in front of me so you can keep track. I will do that. I, luckily, I've got several. <laughs> so I've got them. I've got tons of them. Okay. So we'll begin the decade in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, Father who art in heaven, in heaven hallowed be, hallowed thy, be thy, thy name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come. come. Thy, thy will, will be done. Be done. On earth, on earth as, as it is, it is in, heaven. in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, Mary, full of grace, grace. the Lord is is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, Mary, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes. Thank you so much, Keith. Someone might have a question. Why do we say the Hail Mary 10 times and the Our Father, which would be the more important prayer to some people, only one time? Do we know why? I honestly, I I have no idea why. I don't know. I don't know why that developed the way it did. Um, Mm -hmm. I my guess is it had something to do with the way that they divided up the Psalms. but I'm not really sure if there's like a concrete reason for that. And if somebody wanted to pray more, our fathers, I'm sure they can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it doesn't really the matter about the Lord. The thing about the rosary that we have to remember is it's a private devotional. It's not like an official teaching thing of the church. It's not something that you have to do, even as a Catholic. Um, it's, it's, it's a devotional prayer that has been a part of our faith for many years that helps us with that, but there are, there are variations that people have to the rosary. There are different prayers. You always start in the beginning with the Apostles' Creed to declare your faith, and then there are prayers that you pray at the end of it too, but sometimes some of those ending prayers can vary a little bit because really it's 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 something that, you know, is a personal thing. Um, so if somebody wanted to pray more, our fathers, you could, but this is the way that it's been handed down to us. Um, and, uh, I my like I said I think my guess would be it has something to do with the way that the Psalter was organized. All right. Well, thank you so much. I, I think that at least I hope there's been a lot of information imparted today to some people who did not know. I welcome and encourage a lot of comments or questions if you have any out there. And certainly, uh, you know how to find Keith, and he is on there. Is it seven days a week? I know. I know it's every weekday. Seven days a week. Seven days a week praying the rosary. Five o'clock central, except for Saturdays. It can be a different time, but 5 p.m. central on the YouTube channel, Rosary Crew with Keith Nestor. You can find us. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're a busy guy. Thank you so much for taking your time. I really enjoyed this conversation. I did too. Thank you so much, Yvette. And I pray God's blessing on you and your listeners. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Please leave us a review and a ranking wherever you are listening. Special thanks to music composer Morel Sanders and to editor Susan Marie. For more podcasts, go to thejam.online to listen to Journalists Advancing Ministry about journalists who have left media for the ministry. And go to amazon.com to read Whispering in His Ear, my book of devotions that include life lessons, prayers, and journal writing, along with multimedia songs and spoken word. For Positively Joy t-shirts and other merch, go to PositivelyJoy.com and click shop.